All right, welcome to The Green Mind. Jason Safford, I'm your host. Today is the first episode of the podcast, and I am delighted to be able to welcome David Sheeran, the CEO of Empower Solar, to the show. David, welcome. Happy to have you. Really pleased to be here. Terrific. Okay, so the goal of uh, this podcast is really just to bring awareness to uh, our listeners about leaders in the industry who are making a change. And um, obviously you are the CEO of Empower Solar, um, but I'd like to start by asking you, how did you get started in the industry? So I got started when I was sort of, I was in the financial sector and I, I became very aware of the impact that energy was having on the economy when um, was at a big meeting of a whole bunch of financial analysts and there was an analysis presented to us about the impact of oil prices on the US and global economy. I'm curious, when was this? How, how long 1999. Ago? Wow, so 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And two decades later, here we are. Yes, and we still have a very long way to go. <laughs> So you, you were a part of this um, presentation, obviously you got the information, and then what happened? You just like left your company or, you know? So I um, began a journey when I, I just became, I, I, I was able to connect the dots between, you know, a, a few different sort of simultaneous forces that, that interact with each other. One is just environment overall. I was always concerned about environment. You know, I was always an outdoors person. I think that I find that to this day, you know, people that generally speaking are active outside, uh, you know, Long Island in New York, that is people, a lot of people around the beach, you know, um, skiers, anybody who really experiences nature, really can treasure clean air and, the, and nature in general. And they tend to be a little more sensitive to these issues. Um, and, you know, I, I became aware that, you know, in fact, power generation and transportation sector generate a lot of pollution. On top of that, there's the financial impact of dependency on oil and the fact that we don't control that. And that became very clear to me in the financial sector when, when, when you realize, you know, we have control over monetary policy, fiscal policy, but we don't have control over energy policy. That's what brought these things together. And then you have this resource that we are dependent on and it also causes pollution. That's, that was the sort of aha moment for me. So, um, 1999, you get this information, you start the uh, journey. Now, Empower was uh, founded in 2003. That's right. Okay, so four years. Give me an idea of the landscape at the time. What was happening in um, the local regional area? Not with regards. Okay. Absolutely not. That was... That was part of what drove me to become an entrepreneur, because you know, after I decided this is what I was passionate about, and then I looked for opportunities. I applied for every single clean energy job I could find anywhere. Really? Any? That's interesting. Yeah, and a lot of the jobs weren't here; they weren't in New York. And um, so, so after looking at all the opportunities and trying to. A lot of those jobs then weren't really applicable to me. I was, in, I was a finance economics person, and most of the positions were in the 
engineering or technical support or those sorts of things and it just didn't fit you know and those those were sort of desperate days because I didn't know what to do and I, but I knew I you know wanted to get him up so you know um, I I after surveying it all I decided that's I gotta start my own thing so that had to be scary I mean, just thinking about the fact that there's nothing out there, um, and now you're taking on the responsibility of uh, not only endeavoring to uh, go into business, you have to figure out how to make money, and you have to build a team. So how did you find partners and collaborators that kind of shared your vision and, and thought this was a good idea? You know, I was fortunate that I um, stumbled into uh, a graduate program after I founded the company. And we were doing a little bit of consulting work, we are starting to get involved. But the, you know, the, this, this graduate program that I got involved with, they're working on a project, a, um, a demonstration project called the Solar Decathlon, which was a Department of Energy competition. What was so great about this, you ask how I found my partners, is that it gave me an opportunity, a project-based learning opportunity, to collaborate and get a graduate degree in energy management, which is a very specific and helpful thing in what we're doing. But it gave me this platform to collaborate with architects, engineers, interior designers, communications. We, this whole project was, was, I think, a success story of government's involvement in energy because what they did was they put the, they gave us a competition arena to and what, what you had was 20 schools around the world that designed built homes that were off the grid solar power homes and this is what year this is 2003 four five wow so in the so, yeah so really at the beginning of your venture yes you were able to latch on to a competition that really sort of opened a lot of not only doors but really gave you a whole new view of the landscape because now instead of just sort of seeing the marketplace and understanding that nothing is being delivered as a solution to uh, you know what is the problem with existing resources and, and, and energy usage but now you have a competition with people like-minded to help you sort of look at the future from a different lens. It, it was tremendous. Wow. You can't overstate how important that event was. And so my business partner, Greg mm -hmm. Sachs, I met on that competition. And we went on to, so he wasn't my co-founder, but he, in effect, is considered that way because after the competition, we then just started working. It was a natural alignment. Absolutely. And you were able to go forward. Absolutely. So going back to were you scared, what were the biggest obstacles that you saw facing you as a, as a new business? Well, I'm glad that I was naive to them, and I was, Okay. because I was just so driven. I mean, it's hard to explain that, or capture that feeling. I think you might understand a sense of it, that, you know, back then, you know, renewable energy was still really high in the sky. You know, there's some publicly traded companies. You know, Asia had a lot of activity, and that's actually one of the reasons why I got involved because I was I was covering Japan when I was in finance. I, I lived in Japan, I worked in Japan, and they they were advanced in solar, but it still was a very small fraction, very 
infinitesimally small right. uh, a portion of the energy mix. Right. And you know, the US is nothing, right? But what I got interested in first was hydrogen and fuel cells. So okay. in fact, what we did for this, this, this school competition was a solar hydrogen fuel cell battery off-grid system. So wow. Greg and I got involved doing, after that, we got, our, we got a whole bunch of government contracts to do that work. Really? We built a whole bunch of those systems around the country. Wow. And we even have, in New York, we have a, really, New York's only solar electrolysis system that it's a fueling station. We fuel really? fuel some vehicles here. Is that is that the Lido Beach That's station? Correct. Okay. So there's a wind turbine there. Yep. And there's a whole bunch of solar panels. Yes. And the hydrogen um, uh, tanks basically are for fueling cars at that location. That's right. That was our first paying customer. That is awesome. And um, you know, and so we learned a lot through that whole process. But you asked me, you know, was I scared? I mean, the, the, I was so determined, you know, I sort of recognized then, as many people do when they first started being involved in renewable energy, that this has got to be the future. It gets exciting. It's so exciting. I mean, to the extent that, you know, often, you know, I remember having trouble sleeping because I was so excited, not stressed, excited. Now that's shifted, I'm still excited, but now it's a business. And so, so those things change, but, uh, but that motivation is still there every single day. So, um, Obviously, in, in terms of sort of, you know, that alignment and that excitement, you know, you were able to really build something, and you got other people involved naturally. And I, I guess the, the real fascination here is that this is during a very, very uh, intrepid time in terms of um, the, the government focus because Bush was in office. We were in two wars and energy policy, exactly as you said, was really totally divergent from this new future that you saw and that I saw. So what, obviously beyond your energy and excitement and Greg's energy and excitement, what were the things that you were able to focus on that brought other people into empower and and sort of made them buy into what you were doing here you know i think that we, we, we saw a couple of pivotal um moments there uh one was uh hurricane katrina okay and you know one thing that was really uh i mean the thing was it was so devastating right and people were starting and i think Al Gore also released an inconvenient truth that around that time preceded, yeah and there's this growing environmental awareness and especially with you know the internet really coming of age and you know more um sort of rapid sharing of information and from all over the world the environment became a bigger issue increasingly over that i think it was you know you had the silent spring you know in the seven in the 60s and 70s that that uh, rachel carlson wrote at to symbolize it, it sort of symbolizes the era of awareness and consciousness about overall air quality they, they quality. made the um the song um, yellow big yellow taxi that was sort of um sort of about that silent spring and they paid paradise and put up a parking lot so i, I understand exactly what you're talking about you know, and, and so that, then it was and that really i mean we're still working on that critical mission which is just basic air and water quality and just 
you know, point source pollution from, from a chemical pollutants, toxic pollutants, which are still pervasive. But I think what we saw that the difference in the 2000s was that, that you know, there's this awareness of climate change and oil dependency. And I think the Iraq wars are interesting because it brought to the fore issues of dependency on, on oil again. And, um, you know, and, and, and so Katrina, it was so devastating. So that we even felt the impact here, you know, with prices and, and availability of fuel. Right. And we saw that immediately. So the other thing that I thought was really powerful about the, the 2000s is that we saw the oil price spike. And a lot of times, you know, when economists talk about the financial crisis that occurred in 07, 08, they don't really reference oil prices as often. But that was, if you, if you, if you chart where oil, oil price spikes and then the economic response, it, there's usually economic pain. Right, there's right. a right correlation. Yeah. And we saw that in the 2000s. And so those, those were really powerful factors. So I remember starting to drive a Prius. I, you know, I, got, I got a Prius in the early 2000s. And then you know, everybody thought I was kind of stupid. And then suddenly after Katrina, and then the oil price spike after Katrina mm -hmm. sustained the of the French crisis, people started asking me a little, well, tell me about this car. And wait a second, you can get 50 miles per gallon? That's pretty cool. Right. And you, start, you started to see the mind shift mm -hmm. you know, occur. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to say that you are leading from the front. And obviously, people started to take notice. You are a pioneer in the industry. Um, what were some of your competitors doing at this time? Because um, you're one of the earlier businesses that got into it, but, but people came in after you. And what were they doing? So I think that you know maybe a misstep we made that is actually helping us now is we were, we were very diversified even early on. We were really focused more on storage. That right. was the hydrogen connection. Right. Wind and solar, you mentioned that, you know, that those are two inputs, but you know, we didn't really care as much about the input in the beginning. We wanted to be clean. You know, and there are a variety of different clean inputs that you can use to, say, generate hydrogen or store in a battery. Um, it was through that early storage experience that we became enamored by solar. We were just, we, we, we watched it perform. Some of the competitors were a little bit more focused on on different segments of the marketplace. Okay. Um, so here we are doing hydrogen fueling stations, um, backup fuel cell power applications, solar, and lead-acid batteries and off-grid systems. I mean, we did all kinds of really interesting systems for different, even top-secret clients. You know, and we. We, I think, then missed a little bit of the early just business focus on, let's say, residential solar. Now we got involved, and then we became a, we became a market top market leader pretty quickly, but we still had too many things going on, and and um, we only started to gain real success as a business when we started to focus. And so, so the competitors that we learned from, the best ones, really had very specific. Uh, market focuses. Now, I, I can speak to this a little bit because I was one of your competitors in the beginning. Um, and part of our issue wasn't so much focus as it was um, finance. 
because it was the Wild West. And the difference between, you know, where solar was then and where it is now is number one, price, but also financing opportunities. And who you chose as a customer and the package you could really work on with them. So uh, from the residential and commercial um, solar, uh, part of the, the challenge that, you know, I experienced was sort of picking the right customers to do business with. So I think that was part of it because what you didn't have then that I can speak to is that the awareness was limited. So you really had to educate your customer first before they were even interested in buying a solution from you. Whereas today it's far more people are knocking at your door. Yeah, we didn't have these digital mediums. They weren't nearly as prevalent. And, you know, expensive advertising was out there, but you know, I, you could spend your whole budget on newspaper advertising. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I remember I remember this one time in our old office um, by the Hewlett Railroad. Uh, one customer found us. And I remember literally before the customer came in, I thought I was thinking to myself, I don't know if we can continue doing this. How do I even find people that want what we're doing? Lo and behold this 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 old elderly gentleman, believe it or not, lived in Woodmere his wife would walk in slowly. I mean, they, they're probably in their 70s. I found you in the phone book, and I, I wanted to get a solar and battery system. And it literally, was, it was modeled from heaven. I, 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 That's fantastic. To this day, I love these people. They got this beautiful solar power system. It was more, probably one of the most important customers because they needed, I needed that customer at that time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Wonderful client. You know, so so getting back to team culture, I think one of the things that's fascinating, and, and, and obviously I have a relationship with you beyond uh, just this interview, but um, Empower is recognized in the industry, and especially here on Long Island, for your quality, your level of service, and your overall commitment to delivering a job in a certain way, in a certain level of detail that compared to your competitors is you know really one of the things that sets you apart did you realize that when the industry was developing around you it comes back to i think you know what you stand for and your purpose as a company you know because the team that we have here and our mission and purpose are so important to us that it just naturally follows that the work we're going to do, we're going to stand behind, we're going to care deeply about. You know, the example here is, it, if if you build a solar power system, it doesn't doesn't work, then you're you're completely failing your mission. I mean, that's very true. <laughs> you know, so so you know when I when when I and, and it, as you as I think you know, I mean, we're, we're very involved um, with trying to understand how do we get from where we are today to truly. You know, our, our economy powered by renewable energy. And the numbers are staggering. You know, look at the numbers. And I have, a, I have a big presentation coming up where I'm showing what we currently produce in New York State for renewable energy, what the total mix is. And how do, what are the scenarios and how do we actually get to, to that, you know, 100% is the goal by 2050? If our fleet is not performing, if the other companies are not performing, this is irrelevant. Right. Right. So that's what drives me. So 
Um, going down that path a little bit, obviously, you know, we have a favorable state um, government that's that's looking at it, but at the federal level, uh, level, our our current leadership is really anti renewable energy and kind of pushing, you know, the old um, stalwarts of um, fossil fuels. Now, obviously, every four years we have an opportunity to shift the the power and the focus, but really how much at this point is the economic opportunity already showing the pathway forward in terms of renewable energy where businesses kind of see the opportunity and it's out with the old and in with the new because i think that one of the things that naturally takes over in not only any economy but you know in people's focus is, is that when they see a good thing and it's at the right price They'll buy it over the thing that they were using before simply because it's better and more people sort of look at them with a greater sense of value, not just in the product, but in their choice. I know that's a tough question yeah. based on where we are well, right now. I think, and maybe I can answer this way. I mean, for, I mean, you started out talking about governmental policy, you know, and it's, it's really tough because one of the things that to me matters most about government policy is leveling the playing field. Okay. And one of the problems we have with our current system is it, it's not accounted for properly. Meaning the price that's charged for energy doesn't comprise the, the full cost of that energy. That's right. I.e. pollution. That's right. Whether it's climate change, air pollution, whatever. And, and, and additional to that is disaster. Because the cleanup from environmental disaster for current energy resources is tremendous. Then we can layer on top of it, we can keep on going here, right? This That's is right. this is really troubling because then you start talking about resiliency, storm response and mitigation. Continuity. It just it's, it's endless. And and so one of the things that drives me crazy is when you look at it and you start to go through Okay, so when the utilities look at us and say, solar industry, here's how we value your energy. That's a problem. And the, you know, the energy policy that we have, you have a mix of federal, state, local, and you have, you have a lot of different stakeholders, and you have rate payers. So it's complicated, but where you went with, with the question, I'd like to respond in a way that I think is very, very powerful. What we're noticing today is a profound shift in our customers. And I'll tell you what that is. People, you know, in the very, when we first got started, it was the early adopter, this gentleman that came to my office, was ready to plunk down 90 grand for something, right? Now, that, oh, then it went to certain people focused on monthly savings. But today, of course, of course people look at the financials and they must. But now it's more, it's, it's changed a little bit where it's more, this is something I, I want to do. Mm -hmm. This is cool. I, I should do it because it's good financially. It's the right thing to do for my kids. We should naturally have a good environment, clean environment, and probably want to edge against the worst effects of climate change. Right. And, and we're doing, I'm noticing a shift that you can't pinpoint which customer is receptive 
or supportive of all those things? It's almost every demographic. Right. But the, so, uh, so the average customer going forward is kind of looking at this as sort of a triple value of, you know, health, you know, um, resources and relationships together, which kind of brings me to this, these are the three pillars of the green mind. Um, basically, we, we look at wealth based on the amount of money we have in our bank account, what our assets are. But the truth is, is that if we don't have our health and we don't have any relationships, what is it really good for? So being able to combine those three things is people, planet, and profit. It's just looking at those pillars, you know, from a different lens, as I call it, which is how we green our mind. So wrapping up, because we only have a couple minutes left, I think we've, we've summarized that, you know, your team culture really is driven by your excitement and enthusiasm for not only what you're doing here, but where you see the future going. And based on the tip that you just gave us about, you know, the, the energy for the future and 100% by 2050, for Empower, what is the urgency in reaching that goal as a company? How does Empower look at the most important um, part of their goal and mission going forward? It's something we think about every day, you know, how to accelerate responsibly, because at the end of the day, we do operate a business, and, you know, we have to make sure that we're a responsible business. Um, but we, we feel a great sense of urgency um, to, to accelerate. And, you know, that's, it's a great motivator, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, you know, if you talk about the, what this 2050 goal is, there are interim goals that are part of the New York State legislation, but, I, you know, I don't think that that should necessarily be our only milestone we're focused on. You know, for us, it's, it's this concept of, you know, what are, what are the benefits, when you think about the benefits of this world of tomorrow? You know, I, I, I not only think it's the benefit of a healthier environment, which is profound. As an aside note there, we have a, uh, one of our clients is, um, has done a lot of research. He's a neonatologist. He's done, done a lot of research on prematurity and air pollution. Just regular air pollution. Wow. The, the, the scientific and uh, medical community is, <laughs> they, they don't question the correlation of pollution and health, negative yeah. health impacts. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this particular uh, doctor and researcher who is based on Long Island and does work with New York City too, it, it is ha it completely convinced that air pollution leads to prematurity. That's and an amazing study to to know about. And uh, and so he we, we put a beautiful solar battery system in him, and for him it was a no brainer. But the so you have a health benefit which we can't even quantify. You can't even begin to quantify that. And um, and yet we kind of have to try to. Then there's the climate change, and then there's the economic where we're going to control our own energy. This whole issue that we started talking about, where where we actually when you start to see the price of energy going down over time, in real terms, 
mm -hmm. versus volatile going up, and we control it. This to me, so what I see that drives urgency is this. I think we are increasing our potential as an economy, as a people, in an incredible way. Yeah, that we can't even see right now, but it's going to be really a profound impact on our society. If there's one thing that Empower could accomplish, let's say in the next ten years, that would be really, really cool as sort of a um, not just a feather in your cap, but something that you know you can really stake your claim to. What what would that vision be? Well, I will tell you that you know um, we have sort of company specific goals, which are financial and um, team success oriented, but. If you were to look at this, I think there's a, and we work very hard in the state legislation. We have a great Senator Kaminsky who represents our district, who's the chair of the Environmental Committee. We work very closely with them and um, many other stakeholders you know, to, to get our climate change bill passed this year. The goal is 70% renewable electricity in the, all, the entire electric sector in, in New York State. And I happen to, to be very supportive of that specific goal. And if you break that down on an annual basis, what that means for increases in deployments, it's a lot. It's a huge number. Enormous. And so what we're, we're trying to unpack that right now and understand actually how do we get, get to that number. But that's, that's what we're trying to convert to our company sort of macro goal. Okay, that's awesome. All right, well listen, this has been a phenomenal interview. Uh, I'd like to thank you for uh, being my first guest. This has been an absolute pleasure. Everyone, this is David Sheeran, CEO of Empower Solar. David, thank you very much for uh, being here with me today. Thank you, Jason. Anytime.